Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we're doing a Q4 question and answer episode. I almost said Q&A, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say the word. Call so. it by its name. <laughs> yeah. And we got some fun questions, so this should be good. Yeah, but before we get into that, this episode is sponsored by Newly. We'll tell you more about them later in the episode, but you can take $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code BOP20 at newly.com. So Becca, tell us about your high. I feel like I've gone first the last couple of weeks. I, okay, I'll you tell you tell about my high. Your high. I don't want to steal my- <laughs> all the oxygen here. All right. All right. Well, my high is that it is October. It is fall. I got back from the Otter Banks. It was October 1st. The next day, I went and got pumpkins. I went and got mums. The leaves are falling. It is gorgeous and glowy and golden outside. It is like misty every morning. I don't really know why, but I'll take it. I am just loving, loving this season. I'm loving it. Your powers have reached peak levels. <laughs> I really feel like myself. It's great. I picture it's you great. in October. Oh, this is going to sound weird. Okay. I picture you in October. <laughs> Not that I'm picturing you naked, but... I knew that was coming. The ha- I knew that had to be part of it. I know. But where you're going from here, only time will tell. I picture that like underneath your chunky sweaters and like leggings mm-hmm. and your fall paraphernalia, you um, are glittering like Edward Cullen in the Twilight movies. Like you're just at your peak <laughs> power and it cannot be contained and it's just sparkling out of you. But the rest <laughs> of the world doesn't know that because it's sweater season. And so you're like cozied up, but like underneath you're glittering. <laughs> It's true True or false. I do feel like I am sort of becoming my truest self right now. It's just lovely. So thanks for understanding me. Yeah, I am glittering like Edward Cullen. Isn't this the scene where he's like, this is who I am, Bella. That's that's who you are. What's the word? I'm a monster. I don't know. But like a fall monster in a good way. I love that for you. Okay, now tell us about your much more exciting high. So I had my two launch events last week in DC and then in New York City. And it was so, so fantastic. I mean, first of all, it was just really meaningful to get to meet so many podcast listeners, but it was also such a good reminder because we record this podcast and it's just the two of us on Zoom. And, you know, I see the analytics. So I know that people are listening and people talk to me on social media about things we talk about in the episode, but to actually see faces, like to like tell a joke and to have people laugh in real time or to like have people say how excited they are about this book and not just like talk about it into a void. Oh my gosh. It was so incredible. It was like really an out-of-body experience. I loved the video that I think it was Allison, your agent, posted where she just like panned across the room to everyone at the Strand and everyone was just like, I don't know, just like heart eyes washing you. It was really cool. I so wish I could have been there, but it just looked like an amazing night. It was so amazing. And then on Thursday after the New York City event, I had an after party at Rolf's, which is the very over-the-top Christmas-themed bar in New York for all of my friends and my publishing team who came. And it was so amazing. I mean, I I imagine it's what a wedding is like when you walk into a room and it's just all people you love. It's just seemed like 
perfect. All of it. It was. It was and so. You look great. I love the dress. Thank you. It was so perfect. And then I had eight friends, including Grace, who came up to moderate, come in from out of town, like take a flight from somewhere, which boggled my mind. And then on Friday, they were all still in town. And so we had like kind of a Friday fun day. It was very rainy. So it turned into bar hopping instead of outdoor activities. Oh gosh. Yeah. The weather was crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, But it was still so fun. I know it was such a special week. I feel like I'm floating on a cloud still. Oh good. I'm so glad. Oh, what's your low? Have you not heard this story? No, I've heard it. Okay. I've seen it. Let me let me just set the scene for you. If you follow me on Instagram, you already you already heard about this, but I needed to really double down on just how much of a low this was. So Jake and I drive back from the Outer Banks. We leave at 5 a.m., 10-hour drive, get home, you know, just unpacking. We're opening up the doors, kind of like airing out the house, just cleaning up. And I walk into my living room and I have a new chair in there. It's actually, it's a great chair. And anyway, doesn't matter. I have a chair in there. I've literally sat in the chair one time because it came the day before we left. I look at my blanket that's on the ottoman and there's this like dark swirl. We'll call it a dark swirl. And I thought it was like a human poop, which would also be very confusing. (laughs) It would be alarming on just a variety of levels. I got closer. We don't have a lot of light in that room. The sun was sort of starting to set. And I was like, that is a furry tail. That is a furry tail. And so I quickly kind of deduced it is a chipmunk. And this thing was curled up on this faux fur blanket. Like it looked so comfortable and cozy and honestly, very cute. And I was like, oh, it's sleeping here. Still doesn't make sense. But then I realized that in fact, it was dead. So there was just a dead chipmunk on my favorite blanket. I honestly thought I was like having some sort of a mental break because I was like, why would that be there? I've never seen any kind of creature in our house other than the bat. And I was confused. I asked Jake and he was like, you're losing your mind. But then he confirmed it was a chipmunk that had died. I guess it got in while we were gone it didn't smell or anything. So like, I think the poor little guy passed away recently. Anyway, it's just an experience I never want to relive. (laughs) You're not in the city anymore. That is a low. Um, I, no, no. Is it uncouth to ask what happened to the blanket? Jake immediately threw it in the washing machine. Oh, it was washable. Literally. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't, I mean, he was just like, No, I was picturing it like a wool blanket that, you know, you can't put in the washing machine. It's like a faux fur, whatever. I actually think it's like faux mink or something. I have no idea. Anywho, later that night, Jake was using it. So he was unfazed. I was like, there was death on that blanket. Yeah, but (laughs) I would feel the same. But uh, So it's Jake's now. Anyway, so uh, that was a first and uh, hopefully a last. Someone was like, I don't know if it would have been better if it was alive. Because then I'd have to catch it. Sure. I do feel like it being a chipmunk, a chipmunk is a pretty cute animal to find versus I feel like, not that you would have a rat in your house, but I feel like there are other animals that could be dead in your house. It would be more traumatic. It's true. Like a bat. A bat. That would be worse. I think what happened is he got into he. I'm just assuming it's a male chipmunk. Does he have a name? I don't really know. 
I, uh, Deontay. Yep. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. I think he got into some mouse poison and that's how I ended up there. Anyway, sorry for bringing you all on this journey with me, but it truly was really unsettling. And um, I, I bounced back quickly, though. I was like, you know what? Got to keep moving. What's your low? <laughs> um, my low, and it's a surprise to no one, is that launching a book really takes it out of you. I feel like from last Monday through Saturday morning, I was running at full speed and then I ran into the wall and then all weekend I was just a shell of a human. I was really glad that I didn't have anything planned and I could just commune with my couch. But I stayed in the city. One of my friends, I was staying with her in her hotel room because her husband couldn't come at the last minute. And so I took an Uber back on Saturday morning and I just collapsed. Not actually collapsed, but I was like, oh, I'm done. I don't blame you. I That's a lot of everything. A lot of adrenaline. A lot of adrenaline. A lot of adrenaline. Yeah. But it was good. I had the time and the space to be subhuman. Good. Do you feel back to normal? Yes, mostly. Good. Well, I'm glad you got to rest. Thank you. Well, let's take a quick ad break and get into some of your questions. So if you've been here any length of time, I bet you know that my book, The Christmas Orphans Club, came out at the end of last month. And I promise I will stop hammering you over the head with it after this week's little ad break. But I wanted to give you one last plug if you've yet to grab a copy. The book follows a group of four friends who are each alone on Christmas for a different reason, who have built a found family tradition of spending the holiday together in New York City, having these fun, non-traditional Christmas adventures. And if you don't consider yourself a seasonal reader or have never read a Christmas book before, I think you're still going to like it. My goal was for it to be fun and funny and real without veering into that overly saccharine territory that we sometimes associate with, say, a Hallmark Christmas movie. And if it helps sway you at all, it's going to be our November Bad on Paper book club pick. I can't wait to discuss it here with you all and Olivia and definitely going to be our most behind the scenes book club ever. So if you've been meaning to check out the book but haven't had time, it's available online wherever books are sold and across the country in many indie bookstores, Barnes & Noble, and maybe even a Target near you. And if you've already read it, first of all, thank you from the bottom of my heart. But if I can be greedy for one more second, I would so appreciate it if you left a rating and or review on Goodreads or Amazon to help other people find it too. Thank you all so, so much for the support on this journey. I cannot even tell you how much I appreciate it. Olivia, into some questions here. I liked this one a lot. Do you have any cue for micro goals? How are you trying to end this year? I have a few. I'm going to start with the one that is the most honest, although it kind of embarrasses me to admit, but I'm just going to say it because I cannot be the only person in this boat. I really need to pay off my credit card. (laughs) it It is really this year with the house and everything. I just got wild and free. And I get it. it was not good for me. So that's my biggest goal. <laughs> and I, oh my God, there's a stink bug crawling across my journal. Hmm. That is another thing with fall. I, ah, it's coming at me. Do you think this is a, I don't know if I should address it or is like just omen? let it roam. I think let it roam. Ugh, she, I don't like it. Okay. Listener, I'm sorry. She did not let it roam. So yeah, if I can end the year having paid off my credit card, credit cards, I should say, I will feel 
really good going into the new year. Great goal. Do you have any micro goals? Um, My main goal is to finish a draft of my second book. I have gone back and restarted it four times. I really feel like I'm probably only two weeks out from finishing it. I just need to do it. I mean, I ideally want to finish a second draft too. So I guess finish two drafts of the book and get it into better shape. Do you feel like you have more space in your brain now that you've launched the first book? A little bit. Yeah. We're like, we're just one week out. And I feel like my goal was tomorrow, Thursday to get back to it. So yeah, hopefully I have a lot of travel plans in October. So I'm hoping that I can like, when I'm home, I can stay focused on it. But yeah, this one has been really hard. So I'm really excited to be done with the first draft and just get out of that part, which I don't love. Okay. So here's a question I like because, you know, my Edward Cullen slept for fall vibe. Yeah. That is me right now. Yep. <laughs> What's on your fall girl vibes checklist for this year? So I guess, what are you wearing? What are you planning to do? What are you really into right now when it comes to all things fall? Ooh, okay. So the things that I really want to do this fall, I'm not a pumpkin spice person, but I am an apple cider person. So I have a lot of apple related goals, if you will. Naturally. Naturally. I want to have an apple cider bourbon cocktail with like a cinnamon stick in it. I want to have apple cider donuts. I'd like to have some kind of apple crisp situation. Um, So a lot of apple related goals. I would not mind picking them, but I would be fine if I didn't. And then Mm. my biggest fall goal, which I think you can relate to, is to drive up the Taconic Parkway, which I feel like is just like peak. It's how you get from one of the ways you can get from New York City upstate to the Hudson Valley. And it's this kind of quaint two lanes on each side of the road highway that is surrounded by trees. And in the fall, it is just so stereotypically fall. So I want to drive up the Taconic listening to All Too Well, the 10 minute version. And like, I was wondering if All Too Well would come into it. Something about that just screams fall to me. (laughs) Oh, that sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. I also would like to get a few a few wears of in of I'm very into the look right now of a mini skirt and boots with no tights. Hmm. Yes. So before we get to yes. the part where tights are not optional, I'd, I'd like to get that look out a few times. Hopefully next week. It's been a little warm this week. I know. But I think next week you, you can fully enter bare leg sweater weather. But I'm no expert. What about you? What do the fall experts have on their radar? Well, I am going to the Cotswolds next week. And so I'm very excited for like just moody, rainy days in cafes. I'm also going to London. I got a trench coat. I don't know. Seemed necessary for London. If you're thinking, you didn't you just say you want to pay off your credit card, Olivia? That is neither here nor there. <laughs> when it comes to fall, all bets are off. I don't have a playlist yet, but I do have a cozy fall vibes playlist that I made a couple of years ago that I go back to. But not often. cozy fall vibes in London. It's true. I'll have to switch it up. Maybe add some more. I don't know. Who's a sad British musician? I feel like it's all of them, actually. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll work on that on the flight, uh, curating that. Thank you. But in general, I just want to do a lot of standing outside, looking at the leaves and reading and drinking coffee, which is basically what I always do, but it feels better in fall. So... 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. This one is specifically for you. Somebody wanted to know about a house update and what you are loving, not loving, and learning in the house. And I want to know this too. Well, didn't love the dead chipmunk. We'll sure. start there. <laughs> Gosh, I feel like I have just had to learn in general. And it's also a thing that I haven't loved to be extremely patient and to plan things out and save for them. Whereas I think for a lot of this year, going back to the credit card, I just sort of was like, we'll figure this out and we'll just, you know, make it up as we go. And so I've just learned that like things take the time they take and then they take more time. But I am absolutely loving being here in the fall, if you can't already tell, and just experiencing all the seasons and seeing how different everything looks. And I would say the unexpected thing I have absolutely loved is the working in the yard and the gardening and the landscaping and clearing things out. I know I've talked about that before, but we had a neighbor drive by yesterday and he's like, he said he'd never seen the house look that good. And he said, it looks magnificent. (gasps) And I swear to you, I've, I felt like a proud parent. It just, we have worked so hard outside and it's been so satisfying. And, um, I don't know. It's just like this new unexpected thing that I really love to do, which I feel like you don't experience a lot in adulthood. So it was cool. Can I tell you my favorite part about your house journey? Not sure. that I've been there or been invited. <laughs> um, my favorite is well, your, your... now you know why. Because something happens like the bat or the chipmunk. And I'm just like, if someone else would, was here, I would, I my anxiety would be... Oh my God, no. I would not be horrified by that. Um, my favorite is discovering your town's local meme account. Oh, yes. It's great, isn't it? It's great. It's like nonstop entertainment. I <laughs> And it always feels like they're roasting me specifically. I don't know who this person is, although I have some guesses. Um, but they're not roasting me specifically, I don't think, by the way. But it's just, I love it. Okay, here's a fun one. Also fall related. What are your most memorable Halloween costumes? I have a feeling you have a specific one in mind. So share with the class. I feel like I've talked about this maybe briefly on the podcast before, but I still just can't get my mind around it. When I was a kid, there was probably a three-year stretch where I wanted to be a French maid. And oh, I, you know, it was, it was even the kind mm. of costume they sold in a bag at, you know, the Halloween store. And I do not know why that was something that we were allowing kids to be. Like, it had very sexual undertones. I don't know why I wanted to be it. I think it seemed glamorous to me, maybe. I don't know why my mom let me be it. But I had, like, a three-year stint where I was a French maid. Uh, Well, I dressed up as Princess Jasmine, which I think is problematic in a different way. So I did dress up as Scooby-Doo one year. and. I remember the like full body onesie so clearly. Did your friends go as the other characters? Oh, no. No, it was just me by myself. But at our town's Halloween festival or whatever parade, my brother won an award for cutest costume and I didn't. And I remember being very disappointed. But, you know. When you're in college, I was really proud of this and nobody got what I was. I I was a one-eyed, one-horn flying purple people eater. You know, from that song? No, Olivia's I giving do, me the I, blankest stare. No, no. Like I do, but if you were to ask me like what song, I'd be like, it, that song. I wouldn't be With able to one eyed, one horn flying purple people leader. One eyed one. Yeah, where's that from? I don't know. It's like a 70s Just, song or something. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I can see how maybe that wouldn't translate immediately. It wouldn't, but it was also very self-explanatory. I had one eye, one horn. It was wearing all purple and I had like fabric attached to my shirt to make wings and nobody got it. So did you go through the sexy Halloween costume phase in, in college? And if so, what was your sexy college costume? No, we didn't do sexy costumes in college. I was definitely kind of a sexy butterfly in high school one year, but mm. no, I didn't. Oh, we were Care what Bears. sexy butterfly? <laughs> we were Care Bears one year in high school and we had like booty shorts and tank tops, but it wasn't overly sexy. Right. And then we had I mean, it's tap lights, you know, those tap lights on our stomach and oh, everyone yeah. had a different symbol on That's it. Clever. It was very cute. It sounds like you really like went all out. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you, I mean, you were the one who highlighted this question. Mm-hmm. I want to give you the floor to answer this. What is your go-to Starbucks order? Okay. This is a specific one that I wanted to share because... I don't know why it brings me like this weird sense of satisfaction that like Jake is now more obsessed with this drink than I am. This is your one that is like a page long on the label. Yes. Okay. He forces me to order it for him because he's like embarrassed to ask the barista, which to be honest, I am as well. Okay. Let me just spell it out for you. It is a grande brown sugar oat milk shake and espresso in a venti cup. Add the vanilla cold film. And then if you're really looking to just be extra, extra, add cinnamon on top. It is so good. So good. Once you start drinking it, well, I will say this. I have a caveat, which is that sometimes people get it wrong and then it or it's just like not as good. But when mm. it's right, it is $1 million and worth it. Mm. And that's my truth. I'm happy for you. And Jake. You don't really go to Starbucks, right? No, I'm not a Starbucks person. I... I tend to not love Starbucks coffee. So the only time I go is in an airport or if I'm staying in a hotel and that's the only option on the premises. My order is a grande iced coffee with one pump of caramel syrup and half and half. Yeah, I'll do that sometimes, like except hazelnut. Mm -hmm. But no, I'm I'm not a Starbucks person. You don't have a fancy Dunkin' order though, right? Oh no, I just get a medium iced coffee with one pump of hazelnut with cream and one sugar. Okay. Okay. So this next question I love, and it's going to require us to do a little research, which is what are your last five Amazon purchases? I'm ready. I don't know, but I'm pulling up my account right now now to tell you. Me too. I just got an Amazon order. Oh God. Near moments. Oh wow. Okay. So my most recent Amazon purchase is a mermaid dog Halloween costume for my friend's dog. Hmm. Uh-huh. So that's one. That's nice of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second one is wine gift bags, just like brown craft okay. paper wine gift bags. The third one is those sleep masks that I like, the silk sleep masks from Amazon that it's like yes. $10 for a three pack. Before that is some ribbon to go with the wine gift bags. Uh, It's like candy cane striped ribbon. It's for gifts for my book publishing team. And then the fifth one is I bought icebreaker mints in bulk because I can't find them at my local bodegas. And what is in bulk? How many? It's it comes with eight, eight, like packs of eight of the circle packs. I don't know how many are in one. I had this experience 
because I've been wearing a mask more in public recently just because I feel like COVID is surging a little bit. And then I was trying really hard not to get sick before my book launch. And when I was at the ballet a few weeks ago, I had had Mexican food before and I'd had like something with a lot of red onion and just I was like hot boxing my mask at the ballet and it was so vile. And I usually always try to have mints on me, but I haven't been able to find the kind that I like, the blue icebreaker mints. And so I bought them in bulk because I was like, never again. I can't be without them. You should just get them on subscription. Um, What about you? Again, I'm really just calling myself out here, but I did buy a few things for my England trip that I will probably not need, almost certainly not need. So the first thing is I got faux fur insoles for my rain boots. That sounds That I got at Costco a couple years ago because the ones I have are like just grody. So I got those because I'm going to need rain boots um, and I already have a pair. So that one was, I think, a financially smart decision because instead of buying a new pair, I simply bought new insoles. Moving on to less needed, I bought a... (laughs) This is, why did I do this? I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm sure it looks horrible. I have been seeing a lot of people wear like tennis necklaces. Sure. Diamonds. I don't have that kind of money. I don't even have the kind of money for like the fake diamond ones that I'm seeing everywhere, which I clicked on a link the other day because everyone is posting this one brand that has like faux diamond jewelry. I don't, I don't know. It's nice. It was $700. I'm like, what? I, I don't, this is no, still not for me. Anyway. So I bought this $15 fake one off Amazon to wear in England because I have this really cute outfit planned in my brain of like this silk maxi skirt black with an oversized brown chunky sweater. And then I was like, but I want to add a little glam. So anyway, I got this. I shouldn't have, but we'll see how it turns out. I also got a new portable umbrella because London. Great. feel like it would be a good choice. And then I got two pairs of very cheap sunglasses One is like the sort of thinner 90s round glasses. And the other one, (laughs) I'm looking at them now and I'm like, what possessed me when I purchased this? They're like tortoiseshell square blue tinted sunglasses. Again, don't know what I was thinking, but um, those are five items. So half practical, half probably not a great financial choice, but... All in all, it was like $50, so. The next question we have, and I don't know this about you. Are you a board game person? What Are you a game person in general? What are your favorite board games? I'm not really. I don't come from a board game family. My brain kind of shuts off when I'm learning the rules to a game. I will play them. And also, I have grown to really like them in social situations where I'm feeling like somewhat anxious because <laughs> I feel like it's just kind of evens the playing field, no pun intended. Um, I do love Scrabble. Oh, yeah. Jake and I will play Scrabble occasionally. I love Monopoly. Okay. I have played Monopoly Deal. I'm not like as passionate about it as some people are. Me. Yeah. <laughs> but also like there are Monopoly Deal people. My friend like, Lydia. It, it's not just you. Like there's a whole society of Monopoly Deal evangelists. Oh, no. My friend Lydia will very frequently bring this dusty ass bag of Monopoly deal. It's like a Ziploc bag to various bars. Well, have you seen that um, Questlove is doing like Uno parties? Oh, that's fun. I'd go. Taylor Swift attended multiple times. I can get into Uno. 
I think that answers your question. I don't know. What are yours? You're more of a board game person, I think. I do love games. Anything that can be a competition, I'm in. My favorite, I don't know if it counts because there is no technical board. Um, I really love categories. Mm. Love categories. I, I haven't played that in years. I also think Yahtzee is really fun. I used to be obsessed with Yahtzee. I really like Yahtzee. So if we're talking we bring that back. something with a technical board, I would say the only one that I've really played in my adult life, which I do enjoy, is Settlers of Catan. Mm, okay. Um, People also love that. Yeah, I'm into it. And as discussed, I am a Monopoly deal person. Although apparently, according to you, not peak Monopoly deal person. Not peak, but you're up there. Thanks. Let's take another quick ad break and then get back with some more questions. This episode is sponsored by Newly. So I'm headed to London and the Cotswolds on Friday, like I already said. And I just have to tell you that the second I got home from the beach, I ran to the UPS store to drop off my Newly so I could place my next order and have the items get here by the time I leave for England. And let me just tell you, I really found some winners, just really incredible fall vibes, corduroy blazer, a denim maxi skirt, this gorgeous like camel colored sweater. I just am very ready for fall and Newly has so many good pieces and it just felt so good to choose items that felt like they fit my style, but were also a little bit daring too. And it's just the perfect example of why I love using Newly so much. Oh, Newly is great for any type of travel. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Renting from Newly every month lets me bring seriously trending fall pieces into my wardrobe. The quiet luxury stuff like tailored blazers and chunky knits and formal dresses without dropping cash on things that I'm only going to wear a couple of times. There are thousands of styles for more than 400 brands. Newly carries labels like Free People, Selkie, Farm Rio, Anthropology, Eloquy, and Madewell. And they offer petite and maternity sizing as well as plus sizes up to 5X. Newly also includes fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state of the art laundering facility. There are so many things that I love about Newly, but I think the best part is that it's just plain fun. It feels like this free shopping spree because you get so many pieces for so little money compared to what it would cost to buy those items at the store at full price. It's also flexible. There are no late fees and you can cancel and pause at any time. Over the years, I've paused my membership multiple times when I didn't feel like it was a fit for whatever was going on in my life and then restarted it again when I was ready to experiment with my wardrobe more. It's incredibly convenient and really allows you to customize your wardrobe and experiment with clothing in a way that feels affordable and sustainable. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with code BOP20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter code BOP20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's, with code BOP20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Okay, so what about movies and TV? What have you watched lately and really loved? Ugh, I don't have that many great recommendations here because I've been on a rewatching bender just as comfort as I'm going through my book stuff. So I've been rewatching Gilmore Girls. I'm on season three right now. I mean, highly recommend, but I don't know that that's a new or interesting recommendation. 
I'm really enjoying the new season of The Morning Show, and I'm watching that as episodes come out. I think it's so, so good. I'm really liking the new Real Housewives of New York. I am not a historically a reality TV person. I'm not a Housewives person, but I started watching it when I was in Maine, and now I can't stop. It's supposed to be great. I think that's really all I have. What about you? I watched a really good docuseries. It's only three episodes. I know there's people out there. There have to be. Where are my docuseries people? It's all I want to watch recently. Anyway, this one's called Savior Complex. It's on HBO Max. It's all about like the phenomenon of white missionaries going to Africa and like that whole scene, which there's a lot to unpack there. But specifically, it's about this one white woman who went to Africa and ended up running this health clinic. And I won't give it all away, but children ended up dying. And there was this call to bring legal action against her and put her in jail. But it's all kind of much more complicated than that. Anyway, it just gave me so much to think about. And uh, I recommend if you're into docuseries. Okay. I feel like this question is tailor-made for you. If you can go anywhere in the world, stay at any resort slash hotel, where would you go? Okay, so I thought I knew how I was going to answer this when I first saw this question, which is that I would go to this resort in Italy called Rescio, and I would stay in one of their villas for like a month. However, I have a different answer now that I've thought about it for a second, which is that I would find the most luxurious cruise line in the world, and I would do a world cruise. Oh, yeah. You are a cruise person. I always forget this about you. Well, I've sort of been born into a cruise family, but I love the idea of a world cruise. I think you would see so many interesting places that you wouldn't otherwise. And I just really like the idea of having all my stuff in one place during that entire journey. Okay. I think it would be a really interesting experience, like socially. What about you? So the two specific hotels that I can think of that I'm like, bucket list want to stay in are both in the south of France, but that doesn't feel like the trip that I would most want to take. But I I follow La Roche Rouge and then uh, Hotel de Cap Eden Rock. And I feel like either of those would be dream hotel stays in the south of France. They're both very iconic. Like you've probably seen Instagrams of yeah. them. I feel like my true dream trip. I don't specifically know where I would stay, but I know I'm pretty sure there's a couple of Amman properties in Bali, I would love to do that. Oh, I would say at any Amman property. Oh, absolutely. But I feel like... Have you ever been to one? No, but I feel like, you know, if we're talking about a dream, I don't know that I want to go to the south of France, but I don't know what the hotel is, but it's somewhere maybe in like Bali or Southeast Asia somewhere. Okay, cool. That all sounds wonderful. This next one could get interesting (laughs) and it's actually a very simple one. Are you good at keeping secrets? I am horrible at keeping my own secrets. Horrible. Okay. But I am good at keeping other people's secrets. Okay, so I have a question for you. Sure. If someone tells you something and they're like, you know, don't tell anyone, do you take that as you will not tell another soul or you won't tell anyone who's not supposed to know? You know what I mean? Like, for example, if you're a friend group from college someone told you a secret and they were like, don't tell anyone, you know, obviously you're not supposed to tell the rest of the friend group, but would you maybe tell someone outside of the group? Like say me. Case by case basis. It would really depend what it is. Like, is it something that I deem as 
the secret holder to be something that is like low enough stakes that I could tell you, then yeah, I might tell somebody outside of it. If it is something serious, no, I would not tell you. Okay. What about you? I feel the same. Would you tell Jake no matter what? Uh, Yeah, probably. Oh, wow. Okay. Unless... So don't tell you any secrets Jake shouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends. Like, I think he's outside of <laughs> a lot of like my friendships <laughs> in a way. Like most of it probably wouldn't even affect him. But I think most of the time I would tell Jake if it was something... I don't know, because I would trust him not to tell anyone, which is, of course, how secrets get spread. Wait, are you a good secret keeper? I think so. Like if someone makes it explicitly clear not to tell anyone. I mean, I think I would tell people who I know are like completely outside of the secret, but never like someone related. That makes sense. So you're not a good secret keeper. (laughs) Maybe I'm not, actually. (laughs) Maybe I'm not. I mean, you're like, I'm definitely going to tell someone, but well, my definition of if you can keep a secret is if you will not tell the people that aren't supposed to know. Well, I'm, I'm learning something here about <laughs> whether or not well, I should. If, if you told me something and you said, don't tell Jake, I wouldn't tell Jake. Thank you. So you got to be real course. explicit. But also, I can't imagine what it would be that Jake would actually like be phased by it. I tell him so many things sometimes and he's like, huh, I think it's really juicy. And he's like, "Mm." (laughs) whatever. What is one thing you do outside of work that makes you better at your job? Hmm. Well, I'm going to talk about this in obsessions, but recently meal prepping has made me so much more productive at my actual job. I cannot tell you. I I cannot tell you because I'm actually like full, not just like randomly hungry throughout the day. And I know what I'm going to eat. I don't have to cook it. It's there. I eat it in what 15 minutes. And then this is another thing that has made me better. I take a break for like an hour for lunch instead of like just powering through. So I go on a walk or go run an errand or something. And then I know like it too, back to work. So that's been really helpful. What about you? Well, I was thinking of this in a different way. And I was going to say reading makes me better at my job. Oh, I yeah, well, yes, that is another thing. Okay. So let's get into a couple of reading questions, which we always get a slew of when we do these Q and A's. First, a fuck, Mary kill. Becca, fuck, Mary kill. Physical book, audiobook, ebook. Okay, I'm going to marry a physical book. I try my hardest not to read on screens because it creates separation for me just mentally about what is work versus what is leisure. So that's why I really like a physical book. I also just like the way they look as decor. I am going to fuck an ebook because sometimes you start a series and you need the next one immediately. Sometimes you are not quite in the mood for anything that you have a physical book of. So I think I do fuck with an ebook and I'm going to kill audiobooks because I feel like it's my least frequently used. What I love audiobooks for are celebrity memoirs. I love mm-hmm. a celebrity memoir on audiobook, but I, if I had to get rid of something, I guess it would be audiobooks because I, I need to have the ebook for when you finish that book in the Zodiac Academy series and you cannot possibly wait even for Amazon to ship you the next one. It's hard. 
Yeah. I don't want to kill any of them. I want to be in a polyamorous relationship, a marriage with all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I'm with you 100%. What book world would you most like to live in or visit? I mean, I think you already know. Take me to the cherry farm in Tom Lake. Take me there immediately. Leave me there to die. Sure. But honorable mention, I'm reading this book right now and I'm reading it very slowly for no particular reason. Just sometimes I read books very slowly. But um, The Secret Book of Flora Lee is set in England. And there's a lot of different places described, but there's a bookshop described at the beginning of this book that I truly want to enter and never leave, except to leave for the cherry farm, obviously. Mm. What about you? I don't have a great answer. Before you said that, I was only thinking about alternate worlds. And so I was only thinking about fantasy series. And all the worlds in fantasy (laughs) series are pretty dangerous. You know, like there's a lot of unstable leadership. And I was like, do I want to live in the world from Akatar? And I was like, I don't know. Like, seems dangerous. Uh, It seems dangerous. I don't have a great answer here. That's okay. Oh, oh my God. I want to live in Ellen Hildebrand's Nantucket. Oh, yeah, that's a good choice. Okay, so here's a very fun one related to your book. Which character in the Christmas Orphans Club would like Tiny Tongs the most? Oh my gosh, thank you for asking. Um, (laughs) Out of the core group of four friends, I think Priya is the only one who has any predisposition to cooking. I think she'd find it cool, but I don't know that she would love them. David would like them, but he's not part of the core group, but he's the one who is... That's who I was going to say. Yeah. I was like, yes, this fits 100%. Yeah. yeah. Not a big book of But cooks. I feel like everyone is a Tiny Tongs person. Yeah. I mean, I can see try. Finn being really into his air fryer. And I think that Tiny Tongs mm-hmm. are a great utensil to use alongside an air fryer. Very true. What is the best writing advice you've ever heard? Okay. So I liked this question because... I keep thinking about this quote from the Writers on Writing interview with Ashley Audrain. And there's this thing she said where I just can't stop thinking about it, which is about writing unlikable characters. And she says something like, I'm paraphrasing, if we were to write every thought that passes through our brain, like our our darkest moments, what we think, really be honest about it. Like none of us would actually be that likable. True. (laughs) And... It really reframed how I think about... I've always liked unlikable characters, but it just really reframed how I think about presenting characters Mm. to readers and like being really concerned with how they will view them and if they will not just like them, but like think that they're worthy of being a character in a book. Anyway, I just... It really stuck with me for some reason. I like that. What about you? I have no idea where this is from. I know that at one point when we were doing rom-com pods, Rachel had this printed as like an art print and put it in her house somewhere. But the axiom, you can't edit nothing. Like you just (laughs) have to write something in order for it to get good. Like you cannot edit Mm -hmm. the nothing perfect idea in your mind. That's great advice. And true. And true. (laughs) Let's take an ad break. So just this week, I reordered my custom formula of shampoo and conditioner from Pros, and I was looking into my account and no joke, this is my 10th time reordering. So let that tell you how obsessed I am with this brand and their products. 
Since I started using Pros, I feel like I've had a full hair transformation. My hair is just so much healthier. It's shinier and I can go longer between washes without it getting greasy, which is so huge. If you're ready to try it too, it all starts with their in-depth hair quiz, which asks you about everything from your hair goals and styling routine to your exercise routine and zip codes so they can take into account environmental factors. They analyze over 85 factors to come up with a completely custom formula to address your needs. So what I get and what Becca gets and what you get will all be completely different and customized to our unique hair types and goals. And Pros gets better the longer you use it with their review and refine feature. When you reorder, they ask you how they did and how they can tweak the formula. And I think this is why my hair has never gotten used to the product, even after 10 orders. In the past, I've tried something, it's great for six months to a year, and then it stops working as well. But that has not been my experience at all with Pros. And you don't have to take our word for it. Trying Pros is completely risk-free. If you're not positive Pros is the best hair care you've had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. Custom made-to-order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash BOP. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash BOP for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. So we do have a few podcast related questions. And one of them is if you have any plans for a book slash podcast tour together next year. Do you want to handle this one first, Becca? I mean, this sounds very fun. I would love to do that. But I do want to manage expectations that I'm not positive it's going to happen. And I feel like there's a little bit of a misconception around how much control either of us have about how many book events we do or where those book events are. I'm really enthusiastic about events. I love doing events. I think they're really fun. I love meeting you. It really energizes me. But you know the Drake song started from the bottom, now we hear? That's me. (laughs) I'm Drake. I'm at the bottom. (laughs) The bottom of what? At the bottom of my authorial career. I feel like kind of what I'm gathering from not even just my book, publishing in general, is that maybe there's a little bit less enthusiasm about live events than there was pre-pandemic because they saw people go online for virtual events and maybe it didn't affect book sales that much. So there's just a little bit less enthusiasm, I think, there. And especially for debut authors. So a lot of the authors that you see getting these huge tours like Ellen Hildebrand or Ann Patchett have like decade-long careers. So my hope is that it'll get bigger and better with every book, but I'm not positive that anyone is going to want to pay for us to go on a book slash podcast tour together. And so that means that we have to kind of think about if that's something we want to put money into and time into planning those logistics. And right now I just don't know. So we'll see is the answer, but it's not because we don't want to. And it's not because we're, we're like, Oh, those listeners in Toronto, we never want to go see them dodged a (laughs) bullet there. Yeah. I mean, I've mentioned this before, but I will say on my last Trova trip, there were a lot of podcast listeners and it was an incredibly cool thing to like 
I don't know, just hang out and meet them. And so if money were no object and we both had, you know, endless time to plan all of this and endless money, I would say 100% let's do it. But it's a little more complicated than that. But I can say pretty confidently that I think in the future, we will make something happen. Just maybe not next year. Because we're Drake and we're at the bottom. (laughs) We are very similar to Drake is really what I want you to take away from this. So the last question, which I really love, is somebody says, I'm a new listener. I just started in the past year. What are your favorite back catalog episodes? Hmm. Well, I think, okay, I have two things come to mind immediately. I think if you're trying to get to know us, I think the goals episodes are always really good. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you can see what goals we did or didn't achieve in real time because you can just go (laughs) beginning of the year, end of the year, mid-year check-in. And I think for a fun one, I really liked our Summer Beach Reads recommendation episode. And I did want to mention because I got a question about this, we do have something sort of similar coming up for spooky fall book recommendations. So for that person, stay tuned. What are your choices, Becca? Suggestions, I should say. I would say the first thing you should listen to is the first episode that Olivia did on the podcast as a host. And so that was in April of 2022. And I don't remember exactly what it's called, but we'll put it in the show notes. And we did the New York Times 40 questions for love questionnaire and answered these like increasingly intimate questions about ourselves and each other. And Olivia and I had only met a few times in person. So I think it's a really good way to get to know us both and to hear us getting to know each other in real time. And I remember it being really fun. If you want to go back pre-Olivia, one of my favorite episodes of all time is the episode we did with Elizabeth Gilbert. And that is from January of 2021, I believe. I think so. That's a great one. She is just a magical human being. And I enjoyed that conversation so, 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 so much. Oh, and then one of my other favorite episodes, which Olivia, I can't remember if this was with you or with Grace, but we did an episode asking listeners to submit voicemails about their favorite underrated books. Hmm. Was this with you? I don't think so. Either way, we'll find it and we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. But I loved it because it turned me on to some of my absolute favorite reads that I would not have discovered without people recommending it in that episode. I'll have to listen to that one if I haven't already. You might have been there. We don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it was me. I would like, I to, I would like to repeat that episode again just to get more feedback and more love for under the radar books. But it really turned me on to some books that I wouldn't have read otherwise that I absolutely adored. Yeah, let's do that again Let's get out of these questions, though, because I need to hear about your obsession, which apparently is with your new meal prep system. Yes. Okay. So I've been doing this for, I think, a month now. So every Sunday I make, this like sounds disgusting, but I promise it's good. Two pounds or like two containers of ground turkey, uh, like a cup and a half of quinoa. I let that cool. I mix it together. Then I make a salad of red onion, cucumber, cherry tomatoes. I mix it with a little bit of salt and red wine vinegar. Put that in the fridge. Takes not that much time to make it all. And then every day I make lunch from those two things. I make like a little grain bowl. That, and then I have pre-made tzatziki. I'm not pronouncing that the correct Greek way, but you know what I mean. And I add that on top. And then sometimes I will toast 
like a little bit of pita to have with it. It is so good. And there's so much protein. I stay full for hours and I feel so satisfying. I look forward to it every day. I make it for Jake too. I don't know. My life has changed. This sounds like at home kava. Yes. Not as good at all, but it is. Well, it's, it's kind of good. Sounds good. (laughs) I'm proud of myself. Um, and like I said, it's just made my days more productive. So anyway, I suggest what's your obsession. Mine is a bar slash restaurant that I went to on the Friday fun day I had with my friends. So my friend Elizabeth did something which I value so much and made me feel so loved is I had these eight friends visiting from out of town at my book event on Thursday. And then on Friday, I needed to figure out what we were going to do. And she said, let me plan it. Even though she doesn't live here, she was like, I will figure out our itinerary. I will make plans, reservations, whatever. My love language is acts of service. And I felt oh my God, so incredibly loved by that. But anyway, one of the places that she took us was this place called Champers Social Club on Crosby Street in Soho. And I never heard of it. And I think she just found it based on reviews. It was so cute. And I did see it. It was in last week's episode of The Real Housewives of New York. So I do feel like it's like trendy and cute. Okay, so the vibe is they have really good charcuterie boards and cheese plates. They have like, great snacky things, incredible French butter. And the cocktails are all very Instagrammy, very TikTok-y. Oh, I saw you post this. This looked very cute. Yeah. So they have like little champagne flights. They have this jello shop flight of fancy jello thingies. They have this TikTok mimosa, which is it has like oh, a frozen yeah, orb in it. Like, so this place is so cute. I think it would be perfect if you have a friend coming from out of town to take them somewhere that's like cute, sceny, but like it's not too cool, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or, yeah, it does. It's comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Or if you're coming from out of town, I could see it being like a really fun place to go for an afternoon. Like it has a great vibe to it. Oh, good. What about reading? What have you read this week? So the last book I finished in the Outer Banks was Go as a River by Shelley Reed, which I had seen like all over the place. Didn't know anything about it, but I liked the cover. So I picked it up. This is set in the 1940s. It's about this young, I think she's 17, 17 year old girl. She lives in Colorado on her family's peach farm. A lot of different stuff happens, but basically she becomes pregnant. And the story is all about how she deals with that and eventually takes over the peach farm. This book is a good example of why I like that I usually keep reading books, even if I don't initially really connect with them. Because even though at first I was like, I don't know, this is a bit slow for me. I just kept reading and I really grew to love it and love the story and the writing. And the descriptions of Colorado where it's set are so beautiful. Also, this woman has a very interesting writer story. She published this. It's her first novel. She's in her 50s. And she got her agent right away, but it took her three years to sell this book. Oh, wow. And it was rejected, I think she said, like 50 some times. Where did you hear her Um, story? Where where is this coming from? On Writers on Writing. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's a really, really good episode. She's a really interesting person. But she says in the episode, I want people to know how many times it was rejected. And uh, anyway, I think it's gone on to be like incredibly successful. So it was just a really cool story. And uh, I really, really appreciated it in the end. What did you read? So I am still healing 
my focus post book launch. So I pulled the second smallest book from my stack after last week, I pulled the smallest. And so even though it doesn't come out for a while, I read Expiration Dates by Rebecca Searle, which comes out on March 5th. I loved this. So, oh yeah. I feel like a lot of Rebecca Searle's books have a romantic angle, but this is what she's saying is like her first like relationship romance novel kind of. And it's about this woman who is in her 30s and every time she starts to date a guy, she kind of magically finds a piece of paper or a piece of paper shows up in the mail or, you know, stuck to her car or something that says the guy's name and how long they are going to date. And on the first page of the book, she gets a slip of paper with this guy's name and it's blank. And so she meets the guy who theoretically like might be her soulmate. And so the book follows this relationship. And I loved the book so much. It has a big twist. It has a big surprise that I did not see coming whatsoever. Oh, I'm intrigued. I really, really enjoyed it. And again, I think Rebecca Searle herself talks about that most of her books explore fate versus free will. So again, it it kind of revisits that. And I also really loved that it was told from the perspective of a single 30-something woman who was not miserable being single. And it had a lot to say about dating when you're in your 30s and the push and pull between wanting kids and not. And I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. So out in March. Out in March, definitely worth a pre-order. And if none of those interests you, our October book club pick is The Quiet Tenant by Clemence Michelon. Again, that name is French and I am probably butchering it. Anyway, uh, this is a thriller about a woman who is held captive by a serial killer. I saw described in a review as Gilmer Girls (laughs) meets, I forget, it was like Gilmer Girls if Luke was a serial killer. I saw the same review. Which is, which is not wrong. I did want to say we've gotten a lot of questions about how scary this is to various responses ranging from it's not scary to it's the most terrifying thing. One thing I do want to make clear, although there are trigger warnings to consider, especially when it comes to sexual assault, there is nothing graphic in the book. So no, no blood, no explicit violence. So it's much more psychological and uh, worth keeping that in mind. I have not read it yet. I am scared to read it, but I'm going to, at the very least, try. I'll read it. Well, we'll see. Yeah. And if you can't, if it makes you too uncomfortable, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So. I hope that it doesn't. I wouldn't have picked it if I thought you would totally not. Oh, no, no, no. I'm totally, (laughs) I'm totally on board. I'm just, we'll see how, we'll see how scary it is. (laughs) If you want to discuss any of this in the Facebook group, we're on Bad on Paper podcast on Facebook. And Instagram. And Instagram. (laughs) And I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. I am on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And my book, The Christmas Orphans Club, is available everywhere. And I would love it if you picked up a copy. I would love it too. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.